thank you, Father. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your presence that's in this house. Father, we thank you that your word says, Father, that the latter rain will be greater than the former rain. And Father, we want to push into that this morning. That you're a God just not of the former rain, but you're a God of the latter rain. You're a God that's about to pour out something so fresh and so special, not just upon your church, but upon your people. such a craziness because there's such a peace in the house this morning and I really just sense God just really wants to heal and deliver this morning and we're going to carry on with worship no no we're going to break bread together we're going to trust God for a miracle amen who came expecting this morning who came who needs a miracle this morning honestly who needs a miracle I mean I know I need a miracle this morning my my shoulder's finished you know so I need prayer for a miracle I know a lot of you need miracles this morning I think when we come to the place where we realize that we're only going to find those miracles in his presence we're only going to find those miracles when you and i just dig a little deeper than what we are right now you know just in the things of god but i also believe this morning that there's this this season that we're coming into where god's about to do something really new and fresh you know we've read isaiah 43 19 18 and can you perceive it i'm doing a new thing and God is doing a new thing. God is definitely doing a new thing in many of your lives. You know? And it's challenging. I think it's challenging when God starts to, to mess up the purposes and the plans that you have for yourself. Amen. Can I say that? Yes. You know, and we, we've got this way, well, we want God to work out certain stuff and we want God to do stuff in a certain order. You know, we want God to come through for us now. And, and we don't understand that, that the process is part of the promise and, and I want to say that to you because not many of us enjoy the process you know the process is where we get broken the process is where we get changed the process is where we get challenged the process is where things start to turn around for us the process is where God starts to do something new and, and incredible in our lives but the problem is is that the, the process is often very painful yeah. and the process often costs us a lot and a lot of people will not go through the process because one, they don't want the pain, and two, they don't want to pay the price. And so we find ourselves often where we can pray as a church and we can trust God for breakthrough, we can trust God to do something significant just in our personal lives, in our spiritual lives, in our private lives, whatever it might be. But there's that step that God desires of us, that, that, that movement forward. That God so desired, that movement that's so challenging, that movement often that seems so impossible in your life. And if I speak to you about your crisis this morning, if I speak to you about your situation this morning, or your finances, or your health, you know, many of us will say, yes, we believe that God can heal. But in the same breath, we'll say, but he hasn't healed yet. You know, people say to me, for how much longer do I have to pray? So how much longer will it take for God to break through in my life? How much longer will it take for God to fix my marriage or to change my finances around? The problem is we continue to stand on this side and just, just want God to change the things on the other side. You know, it's almost like, and I'm going to speak this morning to Joshua, but the Israelites were almost in the same place. But they almost wanted God to fix the promised land before God fixed them. 
And, and we know how God works. God's not going to move us into the next level. God is not going to move us into the next season. God is not going to move us into the next opportunity until it's God with us now with us right here. I think Sean must have learned that the hard way, that if you don't pass right center, you go backwards until you pass it. So we were really good at certain standards, you know. Um, but it is like that. It's just the fact that if you don't pass center three, you don't go to center four. And often we're desiring center four, we're desiring center five in our lives, we're desiring the next thing in our lives, but we also don't want to put in the effort. And, and you need to listen to me this morning because the Israelites find themselves in the same situation for years. You know, God takes them out of promised land or out of his slavery, takes them out of bondage. And I want you to listen to me this morning because I'm not going to be long. Because they could two sermons, but I've chosen to at least preach one this morning, so you guys are in luck. But 40 years, he takes them out of slavery, out of this impossible situation, out of the situation that looks like they're going to die there. And one day God just removes the whole two million of them and sets them on a course into the desert. Gets this incredible sea where they get to the sea and the sea opens and, you know, they go through and all Pharaoh's chariots get destroyed behind them. And all of a sudden they find themselves in that unknown space. The unknown space between what they knew and the promise. And so many of you are finding yourselves in that space this morning. You find yourself in that space where it's from the you're between the past and the future. You're between your failures and the promises of God for your life. And so many of us find ourselves there. We find ourselves in no man's land and we and we've almost become nomadic in a sense. Because like the Israelites, we just we just come around the same mountain over and over again. I mean, in 40 years, can you imagine how many times they saw certain mountains? You know, I think in 40 years, they probably walked a path, you know, around. And I actually watched a documentary the other day. They spoke about, you know, when the, sea, when, when the River Jordan passed and the scientists were trying to work out, you know, where about that the, the good river parted. And they found that from, from satellite, as they took photos from satellite, they could clearly see the path that the Israelites used to walk. That, that three million people just walking over one place over and over and over again just left this incredible imprint. And yet there comes this time where all of a sudden we find ourselves, you know, where <coughs> Moses goes up and he wants us to see the Ten Commandments. <coughs> and I'm just going to give you a little bit of background. Thanks, Steve. A little bit of background. But we all know the story, and maybe we don't all know the story. But Moses goes up into the mountain, and you know, gets the Ten Commandments from God, and comes back down, and comes back down, and puts a thousand meters up a top, a golden path, and they're worshiping God completely. And another God. And God, in that moment, says to them that this generation, this generation will not see the promised land. Now we're speaking, we're only two, three weeks into this journey. This is not like they did it in 39 years ago. This is a few weeks into the journey. Because the journey to the promised land, from Egypt to the promised land, is only 12 days. That's how long it would have taken them. And right in that process of just going in 12 days already, they mess up. And they find this nomadic spirit where they just walk around the desert for 40 years. 40 years. Like God's not answering their prayer. 40 years. Just the same thing over and over again. 40 years. 
And it's a crazy story because even though God sent them and God clothed them and God made everything great, you know, whether we like it or not, you know, they were there to die. There was nothing that was going to happen to that nation until that entire generation had passed away. It's quite a scary thought. Because when I looked at the scripture, I started to wonder how much, how much is this generation holding back from the next? Because we're just so comfortable in where we are right now. Things don't look great for the next generation. Things don't look great for the church going forward. I mean, most of you that have got kids that are under 15 years old, you've you got turned. I've got people that don't even want to have kids anymore because, you know, the world out there is going crazy. And so as a generation, sometimes we, we bunk it down instead of pushing on. And so we go read at the end, um, we go read in Joshua, but we'll read at the end of Deuteronomy, where Moses comes to the place where he dies. And the word of God says that the people mourn his death, and the people mourn the fact that Moses is gone. Now you've got to understand something, that most of us think, you know, the, the kids that were left behind, remember there were only two from the old generation that didn't die in the wilderness, and that was Caleb and Joshua. They were only two from that generation that went and crossed the promised land, or into the promised land from that generation. And immediately Moses dies, and immediately as Moses dies, God calls up Joshua. And he says to him, right, they have not command you be strong, courageous. We know Joshua. I'm in mean, the most incredible book in the whole world. I can read it every single day. But God commands him. God says to him, right, let's go. And you've got to understand that the generation that Joshua was about to lead wasn't a generation that was 70, 80 years old. This was a generation that was basically born in the wilderness. That generation was born. They were kids from one year old to probably... You know, 30 years old, 40 years old. It was a young generation. And they had walked in the consequence of the previous generation. And when I read that, I thought, how often do we walk in the sins of the previous generation? How often do we walk in the mistakes of the previous generation? How often do we think because it worked 20 years ago, it has to work today? I'm going to thought that, you know, the way we, we treated our wife when we were married for a year, the way we treat our wife when we were married for 50 years, is the same. It's not the same. Things change. Things change. But you see, there's a divine moment that I believe that we can encounter as a church and as a people. And there's a divine moment where Joshua packs up and he says to the guys, and I love this story because I've, I've studied it so much, but Joshua just says, probably four days before they crossed over, he goes to the camp and he says, right, back up. We're moving. Now, I want to tell you this, that at that point, the Israelites had probably been camping in the place that they were for two to three years. They almost, in a sense, settled in that region. And Joshua walks through the camp one day and he says to them, right, back up. We're about to move. We're about to cross over into the promised land. What they've been waiting for their whole lives. What they've been waiting for their whole lives. And there's promises in this room that you've been waiting for your whole life. There's a promise of more. There's a promise of better. 
There's a promise of breakthrough. There's a promise of miracles and signs and wonders. There's a promise of ministry. There's a promise of what God wants to do. And it's not only me. Every one of you sitting in this room today, somewhere along the line, have had this word from God that just seems to be lingering. Four of us. Praise the year. <laughs> And just feels like the breakthrough is never going to come. And sometimes we get that little breakthrough. Who knows what I'm talking about? We get that, that little breakthrough. We're like, oh, yes, Jesus, this is amazing. And next week, we're just five pounds worse. Yeah. I'm like, was that God or was that the devil? Who was that? Who was that? And you know that out of the 12 tribes that needed to cross the Jordan, do you know that there was a tribe that stayed behind in the desert? There was a tribe that stayed behind. There was a tribe that Moses had given to them in the desert. Why? Because they were quite content to be right there. They were quite content to continue to live where they are. So Moses, I mean Joshua packs them up. And you've got to understand something. That basically from where they were to the Jordan where they were about to cross over was three or four kilometers. It wasn't far. I mean it goes into pack up everything, move three Ks, and set up everything again. Now, I don't know about you, but I was one of them when he says to me, well, guys, get back up, we're quitting. We're going to go to the shop. He said down the road here. You must understand, these are houses. This is livestock. This is crawls. This is, you know, camels. And this is kids. And this is a community that all of a sudden just needs to move three kilometers down the road. But you see, Joshua had to move them from their comfort zone into the unknown. Listen to me. He had to move them from their comfort zone into that unknown. Now you've got to understand something that all of a sudden we have these three million Israelites just standing. We have just moved three kilometers down the road and all of a sudden there's this unknown that is facing them. This unknown that is facing them. How many feel like that? Yes. Hey, even as a church, we've got this, this unknown in front of us. And we think in our human strength, in our human ability, we can make that unknown a little bit better. Or we think often we can fix that unknown. And this is a challenge because we become so frustrated in our struggle that many of us walk away. Many of us walk away from the calling, many of us walk away from the challenge. And I don't know about you, but I am not prepared to live life la vida loca like it is right now. There's an expectation in my heart and there's an expectation in who I am as the shepherd of this flock that, that we want God to take us into great things. No matter what the sacrifice. I've, I've got to believe without a shadow of a doubt this morning that God wants to do something amazing in your life. And you know, we just can't continue. We can't continue just to walk around the desert. We can't just continue this morning to say, well, you know what? Good luck, guys. I'm staying on this side. And many have. Many of you have without realizing it. You still got your tent pitched there in the desert.
And so Joshua calls him to the edge of the Jordan and he just takes his three days and he just says to him, guys, just prepare. Just prepare yourself. Just prepare yourself. Just prepare yourself for what's coming. Prepare yourself for what is coming. You know, some of them have waited 30, some of them waited 40 years, some of them waited 20 years for this day. A day where they walk past that spot in the Jordan how many times over the years? How many times do you think that they walked down that Jordan moving camps and they just caught a glimpse of Jericho there in the distance? Hey, how often do they walk past and they just look and they thought, wow, the promises of God, the only thing that is separating us is this river from the promises. That's been frustrating. That's been so frustrating for them and I think for a lot of us it's so frustrating. Because we often can see the promises of God. We can often see the purposes of God that God has for us. We can often see the calling of God upon our lives. And sometimes, in spite of who we are, God still does incredible things in our lives. I look at people that God often uses, and I think, really? Hey? They're not these saints. It's these guys that, you know, drop the F-bomb every now and again and get up to the crazes of stuff and, and God still uses them. And in that moment, I think to myself, if God can use you with all of that, imagine what He can do you when you come into your fullness. And so that one day Joshua wakes up and he just says to his people, stay, we're crossing over. And he makes this incredible statement because I thought about this as I was preaching and I thought, what made God change his mind to, to open the river for them? What did they do right that God thought, well, now's the time to cross over? And I actually read, I went all the way back, I started to read some stuff with Moses and started to read some stuff with Joshua. And, and at the end of the day, you know, I just, I looked and the only thing that could come up was a generation that had to pass away. That was it. Because those guys, those Israelites, did nothing significant. Nothing significant for God to change his mind. Nothing. And so Joshua starts to give us this prophetic picture of the church going forward. A prophetic picture of us, in a sense. And so he calls everyone together and he says that this leader says, I want you to go through the tribe and you go read this in Joshua 3. I'm getting now. But I'm going to let me read to you in chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3. And he says this, And then Joshua rose early in the morning and set up for Archea Grove. And he came to the Jordan and he and all the children of Israel and lodged there before the crossing over. So it was after three days that the officers went throughout the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. And you shall be, uh, there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubics by measure. And do not come near it, that you may know the way which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, 
for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders amongst us. And then Joshua spoke to the priest saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant, cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and they went before the people. And, Joshua said, and the Lord said to Joshua, this day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of Israel and they may know that as I am with you, I was with Moses and I will be with you. And you shall command priests to bear the Ark of the Covenant saying that you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, and you shall stand in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the children of Israel, come here and hear the word of the Lord. And we hear that Joshua forms this, but Joshua says, there's, there's a few things that need to happen. He says, one, I need you, you need to go sanctify yourself. And the word sanctify simply means set apart for a holy purpose. You know, sanctify doesn't mean go cut yourself in sackcloth and ashes and throw yourself into the water, baptize yourself eight times or whatever. He says, I want each of you to go to your homes. And as you go to your home, I want you to get yourself right with God. And I want you to come to a place that anything that is not of God in your life, that you remove it. Before we go to the promised land. What did Joshua say? I'm not carrying your baggage over to the other side. I'm not carrying the dust of the desert over to the other side. That when they spoke about being sanctified, it wasn't just a spiritual cleansing, but it was a physical thing that they had to go and bathe, they had to put on fresh clothes, they had to put on their newness, because it was a holy moment. Because what Joshua said, today God will do many miracles in our presence. And sometimes we need that church. Sometimes if we want to cross over to the promises and the calling and the purpose and the plans that God has for you, there will come a time when God says that you need to sanctify yourself. Remove yourself from the things that don't bring me glory. But more than that, there's a change that needs to take place. There's a preparation in our heart that needs to take place. There's a removing in our lives that needs to take place. There's a separation in our lives that needs to take place. There's a, there's a calling to become flint on the things of God. Because all they need to focus on was be going across to the promised land once and for all. And Joshua calls the Levites and the priests. And he says, well, he says to them, right, this is what's going to happen. You guys are going to carry the ark on the shoulders. And as you step into the water, what happens? The word of God says that the, the rivers are going to open. But I'm going to get back to this place here. And it carries in verse 4. Um, verse 4 says... And you shall see us. Uh, sorry, to go back one. He says, And when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord God and the priest bearing it, you shall set them from your place and go after it. Now, I love the way the Bible interpreted that. Because he, Joshua said, There's not just a following. He said that when you see the presence of God, which is the ark, the weighted presence of God, the Ten Commandments, Aaron's rod, in that presence. And then we know the word of God says that nobody could touch that, that ark of the covenant because it was that holy. We know that Uzzah was struck dead, that when he just the ark stumbled and he just touched it. And so there's this holy moment, God says, and you've got to understand something, that if you keep your eyes focused on the presence of God, it's just a prophetic picture of where we are right now. Because I believe in all my heart that the church is about to cross over. I believe in all my heart that even this church is standing on incredible breakthrough. So each and every one of you. Amen. 
And that's not just church, but churches in the city, in our nation. But there's a calling. The first thing is that we need to go and separate ourselves and bring ourselves into a place with God. There's a cleansing that needs to take place in my life. There's a decision that I need to make that I cannot carry the baggage of the past into the new season. You see, you cannot live in the curse and the disobedience of the previous generation any longer. You cannot tell me any longer that you are where you are because of the way your dad treated you. Or the way the principal treated you at school. Or how bad your first wife or your first husband was. Or how the church hurt you. Or how the pastors hurt you. Or how God hurt you because you took your mom or your dad. Every one of us have got some kind of a generational excuse or a generational curse that follows us. Be it alcohol, be it poverty, be it divorce, whatever it might be. There's a generational thing that's attached to you. In my family, my great-grandpa was an alcoholic. My granny and grandpa were both alcoholics. They, they came to Jesus at the end. I had uncles that were alcoholics. It just went, there's my mom sitting. From one generation to the next generation to the next generation to the next generation. And you know what I had to do as the head of my home? So I have to say to you no further. To you no further because that generational curse of alcoholism is not coming through. So Dal's dad was 14 kids growing up. 12 of them died of alcohol-related deaths. And so we should tell myself, got together, there was a generational curse of alcoholism in our family. Whether we liked it or not, there was an alcohol generation coming from the one bloodline and an alcohol generation coming from the other line. And we just say, well, can you go no further? Because I'm not going to let my kids and my grandkids walk in this generational curse anymore. That as for me and my house, we're going to leave that generational curse on that side of the promised land, and I'm going to cross over without it. Amen. But you see the generational curse that you need to stand up to. Because yeah. a lot of you don't want to face the facts. A lot of you would don't just avoid stuff. It's like let things just sort themselves out. Things never sort themselves out. And I believe strongly this morning that there's a lot of generational curses that are in this room. That you're living in the consequence of your fathers and your great-grandfathers. And yes, you can say to me, oh, but Jesus removed all curses. Yes, I agree. But there's still one thing that God gives us is a freedom of choice. Doesn't matter how much Jesus does for us. Doesn't matter how much, you know, the church does for us. There's still that moment where you and I need to make the call. Is this God or is it not God? Is God for me or is he against me? Am I walking away from God or am I walking to him? Cancers, divorce, barrenness. These are all things that come through generations. And Joshua says then prepare yourself. And you know the crazy thing is not anybody could carry the ark of that presence. It had to be the Levites. It had to be the priest. And the crazy thing is this, that God says, you're a holy nation now. 
a royal priesthood. That you today have the exact same authority that those Levites had as they were carrying over because of Jesus. And you might, sitting here today, you might be the next Joshua generation. You might be one of the 12 priests that carried the presence of God over to someone. That as people follow and see God's work and God's actively involved in your life, you know what happens? Is they want to be like you. And often they want to be like you because they can see you like Jesus. And so the word of God says, Joshua says, tell you what, pick it up, go to the river. He says, and what happens is don't do within two, three thousand cubics of it. And actually, I studied this thing, why did God leave a space? And the one theologian was very, very good. He says, when two million people are following something, the further it is in the distance, the more people can see it. And then I realized, when Joshua turned around and he said, and the, the captains of the army went around, they said this, that when you see the presence of God start to move, he says, keep your eye on it, that you may know the way to go. That's in the word. Keep your eye on the presence of God that you may know where to go. <laughs> that really shook me when I was preparing this message. That little phase, I don't know why. But I just thought to myself so often, I follow God and I watch the presence and I just watch what he's doing. And then somewhere along the line, I just think, who knows what I'm talking about? I all of a sudden just struggle to come back, come back into his presence and go, oh, where did I go wrong? You know, what did I do? And almost like I've got to go around Mount Sinai again, you know, come back and look at face the Jordan again. So he says, and there shall be a space between you and about two third cubits, and do not come near it, that it may that you may know the way which you must go. For you have not passed this way before. I want to end with that even just. You have not passed this way before. I'm not telling you, I'm telling you now. Church, you have not passed this way before. What do you think is normal? will change. What you think is the way to go will change. The Word of God says, don't come and tell me about your revival in the 60s. Don't come and tell me about the ISIS revival that happened across the road in the Italian club five, six years ago. Don't come tell me what it is that we need to do to be an effective church. Don't tell me what it is that we need to be effective Christians. I'm telling you, the Word of God says to you this morning, I'm doing a new thing. And I want to say this to you, and you have not been this way before. And let me tell you something, the new thing that God is doing is the most important thing is this, hear this. One, that God is with you. And the second thing I want to say to you is, you're going to feel more uncomfortable today than you've ever felt in your life. How many of us, how many of us like the known? I do. I'm a preacher of it. I have my coffee at a certain time in the morning, I have my Bible at a certain time, I have a shower at a certain time. I'm, I like order. I think with most of us coming out of the military, we like order. And then God just wakes you up at 3 o'clock in the morning, you don't know why. 
At 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm sitting having a cup of coffee on my bed saying, Morning, Lord. Morning. And I'm sitting there, God, do you want to speak to me? And I just felt God say, No, I just want to say morning. <laughs> and, and my wife's laughing at me because I don't have coffee in the night. I don't sleep. I've got to have coffee after 12 o'clock in the day. And I just sat there having a cup of coffee. And I just, God just said, just want to say hi. So I'm like, hi. And guess what? The next morning I wake up, guess what time? Three o'clock again. Go back to the kitchen to make myself a cup of coffee. I came back, morning Lord, and God says hi. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going crazy, I'm losing it, too much medication, let's move the medication. And when God wakes me up on the third morning, three o'clock, I was, morning Lord, hi. And God just starts speaking. Yeah. And God, and then just, you know what? I almost like, not thought this stuff. But God, this is not how we do it, you know? You wake up at 7 o'clock, after that cup of coffee, you know, we before coffee, you know? And, and then we just, we go through our Facebook stuff first, Lord, and make sure that there's no WhatsApps and anything, and no emergencies and Telegram. And then we chat, Lord. Not 3 o'clock, not a good time to chat. And I'm telling you this story because I believe more and more of this is going to start to happen in your life. If you keep your eyes focused on His presence. You see, this is the problem we have in church life. I don't even know if I made sense this morning, but in any case, um, this, is, this is what happens in church life. that we become so comfortable with the norm that any change out of the norm makes us uncomfortable. Any person standing up and screaming from one side or one side to praise and the next one person trying to, you know, dance here or somebody falls in the aisle over there, you know, it freaks us out. Because that's not the way we do things. And I'm telling you this this morning, and I'm sharing this word with you this morning, because I want to say to you, don't run away from the process. It took them 40 years. It took them a couple of days to move a couple of kilometers. They had to cross the Jordan, they had their faith that God would actually open it up when they did. They had to sanctify themselves, they had to sort out themselves. But when they got to the other side, there's a real, real, moment of achievement in their lives. And so you might be on this side of the desert for a couple of times now, or a Jordan. And I just felt in my heart that God's about to do something so unique in your life, and so unique in the life of the church. But I needed you to prepare. And now we're not crossing over yet. But there's this moment right now where I feel where God is saying that I need to say to you, go prepare yourself. Go sanctify yourselves. Because soon, we'll walk into the promise of God. And I want to say this to you. The more uncomfortable you feel about the process, the more I want you to embrace the process. 
You're going to read the word and it's going to look different. You're going to pray and it's going to be different. Your worship is going to be different. The reason why you're church is going to be different. All of a sudden your family is going to be different. All of a sudden generational things are going to be different. I don't know about you, but I'm in the space in my life right now where I'm ready for something fresh. I don't want to wake up on a Sunday morning and go, Another Sunday. Okay, let's just share a word quickly. Hopefully you'll be able to sing some nice songs. We're going to go home. Everyone's already thinking about the GP tonight. And the RPL this afternoon. And what we're having for lunch today. And some will forget about this. This moment that every Sunday... You and I come into the presence of God into this building. And every single Sunday, we face that Jordan. And every single Sunday, it's that personal relationship with God that says, let's go. Or, I'm just not ready yet. I'm going to say to every one of you, you're as ready as you're going to be to experience the presence of God in the next few months. You see, all God was looking for were people that were willing. All God was looking for was the fact that they trusted Him enough to open up the Jordan. And you know why? Can I tell you why they had enough faith that He opened the Jordan? Because they sat around the campfire many, many nights with their granny and grandpas and their dads and moms. And they were told the story of how he parted the sea. And that's significant because I'll say to you that if God has done it before, Amen. he will do it again. And if God has done it before in your life, he's going to do it again. If your heart is for revival, you will do it again. If you're hard to see your family change, you will do it again. If God wants to see your marriage, if you desire God to change your marriage, you'll do it again. Why? Because He's done it before. But all He needs you right now, all He needs you to do right now, is say, you know what this? I know it looks impossible. It doesn't make sense. Twelve guys carrying a box on two sticks. Going into a flooded river. It doesn't make sense. But yet, they lined up. Hey? But yet, they lined up. One little tribe said, okay, I'll stay this side. And Jonathan said, yeah, that's fine, you can stay this side. But you're not coming back this side until you help your brother secure victory on the other side. Love that scripture. And I want you just to bow your head and I want the worship team to come up and I want Andrew and the guys to come serve the emblems. I want you just to take that moment this morning. That as the guys do breaking of bread and, and don't wait for me to break your bread, I want you in this moment just to break bread by yourself or you're with your wife or with your partner. And as we break bread, I want you 
you know this this morning. One, I believe that God wants to heal physically and emotionally this morning. Listen to me. There's real physical healing that God wants to do. Knees, elbows, toes, whatever it is. I know there's somebody here this morning who's been worshipping because God said to him there's someone that's really battling with their lungs right now. God said to him there's someone that's really battling with severe migraines right now at the moment. Um, and I just said that this morning to you worship. I just said this morning to you worship that God said that he wants to touch somebody that's really battling um, with their digestive system. It's just like, I don't know, it's a woman, but it just doesn't want to work properly. And, and God wants to touch that. God also, I believe, God said to me this morning that He wants to break any generational curse that you think you might have in your family. And then lastly, I believe God said this morning that there are a few of you in this room this morning that there's a desire for more of God. There's a desire to gaze upon His presence and to follow to wherever He needs to go. But there's this hesitance to step into the river. There's this hesitance because you don't know what the other side brings. You don't know what it looks like. And it's almost like there's this, this unholy fear that is keeping you this side of the Jordan. And if that is you, and we want to pray for you this morning. And we just want to get into a time of worship this morning again. Get those, just don't want to get blood. The truck is outside here. Yeah. We're hoping for 20 pints. I'm going now. But I'd love you guys just to be able, out of the, the 200 odd people here, yeah, we only need 10% to get blood. Be brave. Just stay where you are, just break bread. Just, you know, just have your moment with God. Don't forget our Bible teachings on Tuesday night. We started last week with our Bible study. It was really good. We're speaking on understand the Bible from a Jewish perspective. So you can join us again, the men of honor, Monday night as well.
Oh